Hello, beautiful listeners. Nathan here. Just wanted to let you guys know that you may have noticed at the beginning of this episode, we call the podcast the definitive list of everything ever. Also, the title has changed. That is because the quest for the best, uh, apparently everyone had the same idea we did, which means great minds think alike and also means we don't know how to use Google. So for the next handful of episodes, I may intro the show with welcome to the quest for the best and then say something not funny, but the actual name of the show is definitely the definitive list of everything ever, colon, Disney edition, until we Google that and find someone else took that too. So enough of me talking, just wanted to let you know, enjoy the episode. Hello everyone, and welcome back to another episode of quest for the best, colon, Disney edition, episode three. I think episode three. Yes, yeah. and we have and we have a we have a magical, a truly magical experience for you today. The Apple products of episodes today. We have with me a real life genie, James. Hey everybody. Yes. Yes. You ain't never had a friend like him, <laughs> and a real life beast, Derek. Mm. That discussion <laughs> went places. I'm not entirely certain. I'm pleased. Exactly how I expect the beast to react. Thank you. That was perfect. <laughs> As you can guess, the two Disney movies we're talking about today have both genies and beasts in them. So we're going to be talking about Home on the Range and Chicken Little. Basically, the two pen ult- the ultimate Disney movies, I think. Uh, but first, we need to talk about our... We're not actually talking about those, if, if you don't get that that was sarcasm. We're going to talk about our quiz that we did quiz. this week. Yeah. Which we one? quizzed for you. <laughs> Which one? Well, we did. We did. We decided that Disney DNA tests were stupid. <laughs> or at least I, I decided that Disney DNA tests are stupid. I don't did know. Did your other half agree with you? Well, we're no longer the same person according to them, so that's why they're now stupid. Yeah, we have split. We have separated into two unique beings. One of us, one of us is Iago. That was the Aladdin test. I was, I got Iago. According to it, I'm a lively and wisecracking person who despises crackers, which is not true. I love crackers, so uh, fake news. And uh, I, my sarcasm often lightens the mood, which I'll let the intro judge me on that. I guess. What'd y'all get? Who? What Disney fool are you people? Um, well, I'm Jasmine. I don't know if that counts as a fool. What? what, what you're Jasmine? Mm-hmm. Yeah, what character I'm, traits does it claim Jasmine has? Uh, independent princess with a strong will, holding fast to her beliefs. She lets her heart decide when it comes to important life decisions. And then it says, uh, I'm compassionate, free-spirited, and filled with wonder ar- about the world around you. So are, are you all those things? That's, you, I don't know. That's a pretty long list of things that I don't know if I want to think about. Are you a compassionate princess? That's the real one I want answered. Clearly. All right. Sounds good. Derek, which Aladdin character did you end up being? I mean, Beast. <sighs> which Aladdin did you end up being? I am Jafar. Mysterious and you deceptive. Are. You enjoy advising others, especially when you directly benefit from the advice. You're secretive, private, a master of disguise... And you have a thing for snakes. With a dry wit, you fondly converse with your fen- friends or parrot companion. Oh, that's me. Yep. Yeah, how- it's happening. <sighs> yeah. I don't like also, how this is giving away. Yeah. 
I don't like how this is giving away my the fact that I'm deceptive. <laughs> I don't <laughs> pretty much just every plot point in there. It's a spoiler warning, I guess. Yeah. Although, yeah, secretive, private. Eh, I don't know. Do and you I, like snakes? Oh, what hate, is your thought on snakes? I hate snakes. Oh. Yeah, well, I I am not a fan of snakes. Sorry. Well, they, I I hate crackers, so I guess <laughs> I guess this quiz that James found on BuzzFeed or whatever might not be the end all for us discovering ourselves. Well, I don't know. I felt like the Beating the Beast was super accurate myself. Who'd you get? I'm Chip. Oh, I'm Good. sweet, silly, and cheer everyone up. I'm a romantic who believes that anything's possible, and I can do anything I set my mind to. Okay, I'm not going to say that that's wrong for you, but I am going to say that's wrong for Chip. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, fair. That seems inaccurate. Also dumb. They might be extrapolating a little from a character who's a nine-year-old that does, like, next to nothing in the movie. If he's nine, does that mean that he was born after they turned into objects? Okay, we're not in the discussion yet, but that is a solid question that needs to be answered by Walt Disney himself. I don't even know if I want to consider that too deeply. How do pots do it? (laughs) And does Cup come out? (laughs) And, And who is the husband? To Mrs. Potts? Yeah. Mr. Potts, obviously. According to the incredibly faithful live-action adaptation... Boo, don't even speak of that. We're not (laughs) talking about that. Wait, Derek, who are you in this Beast thing? You kind of gave it away. I am Beast. (laughs) (laughs) Though, okay, I'm not sure if they double-checked this um, or edited this. Though out may have a tough exterior, inside you have a heart of gold. You're Though willing, out? out? Yeah. You're uh, willing to learn new things and grow as a person, and that makes you truly beautiful inside and out. <laughs> he's not beautiful outside, he's a beast. That's the point of the freaking movie. What are you talking about? He's a beautiful creature. He's a freaking monster. That's what makes him beautiful. Okay. You can be Beauty and the Beast in this. I got Gaston, and I thought it was funny that they tried to paint Gaston in a positive light. <laughs> you know you're pretty great, and you're not afraid to shout it off the rooftops, exclamation point. Your positive outlook and can-do attitude mean nothing can get you down. I like that every other character has, like, six sentences, and he has two, because that's, like, all they could say. <laughs> they couldn't say he's got biceps to spare. That would be something they could have said. But do you have biceps to spare, Nathan? Well, yeah, I mean, if one of them, is, <laughs> I, I could probably spare it. I don't know. I don't use it very much except to move a mouse around. Oh, dear. So <laughs> Derek's was clearly the most accurate out of all three. Well, yeah, pretty accurate. It just wasn't accurate to ship. Oh, okay. I'm fine with that. You are a princess, so that one was accurate. I say the Iago so far is the best match for me, I think. I think I personally identify with Iago on a raw emotional level <laughs> after rewatching these movies. <laughs> <laughs> you really are Iago watching these movies, aren't you? I really like Iago. He's good. He's a great and, character. Anyway, we're going to talk about two uh, fairly popular Disney movies. Home on the Range of Little. No, just kidding. Beauty and the Beast is our first one up, 1991. 
the first Disney. Well, that's not the first. Wasn't the first Disney movie nominated for an Academy Award? Um, yes. The hmm. Golden Globe Best Picture Musical. I know that it's the first animated feature to win that. Um, and that's when they made Noah's Lion King when they made special characters. Spoilers. Anyway, 1991. Um, you know the freaking story of Beauty and the Beast. Do I really need to summarize it? So no. Belle <laughs> lives in a town with a hot stud and a bunch of French people, and her dad's a lunatic. <laughs> with a bunch of other hot people that you kind of think, you know, maybe Gaston should have been interested in them. They're kind of better looking. Around a little. Not not going to say you couldn't have. Beyond, hmm. um, <laughs> we're going too far ahead. Anyway, so. And then she goes to a castle, and there's a beast that was a dick when he was 11, so he got turned into a monster. And then she falls in love with him, and Gaston falls off a cliff, and the movie ends. So, oh yeah, and then he turns into an uglier guy than the beast somehow. I don't know how that happened. Turns out the Enchantress was trying to do him a favor. Oh, no. He's like, okay, you look kind of, you look kind of awful. So I'm gonna turn you into this kick-a giant monster beast. And yeah, clearly you should be happy about this. Yeah, you can go just like maul guest on now. You can fight off a pack of wolves. What's not to be happy about? Yeah. So there's that. Anyway, uh, first impressions upon rewatching. Uh, James, isn't this like your favorite Disney movie ever? This is like my favorite movie ever. I'm afraid to gush too much because I know I'll get shot down by Iago. <laughs> but. Called Logic? I know. Go ahead. What, anyway, what did you be watching it? I, I still love it dearly. I haven't watched it in a long time. I haven't watched any of these movies in a long time, really. And everything about this movie is perfect. That's, yeah, where I'm planting my flags. <laughs> <laughs> I was actually sipping a soda. Anyway, carry on. Um, no, so I watched it the first time in theaters. I think it was the first movie I ever watched in the theater. And then we got it on VHS the next year, which that you know shows you how old I am. Anyway, grew up loving it. For the millennials, that was back when they put videos on cassette tapes. No, we are millennials. For younger millennials. We yeah, are, whatever they are after yeah. us. We are old we used millennials. To physical media, and some of it was terrible garbage, and they called it VHS. Anyway, carry on. I love VHS. Not too married. I have fond memories of VHS. All right. But um, Beauty and the Beast, not necessarily the VHS conversion. What Was that your thoughts? you still like it? Yeah. I still love it. Mm, intriguing. There. <laughs> Alright. So, Beauty and the Beast. Um, for the longest time, my favorite Disney movie was Beauty and the Beast. Um, it may have potentially been supplanted, but not by much. I still really love this movie. I, again, it's this era of Disney art and animation that is kind of what I think of when I think Disney. Um, it's, yeah, I love, I love Belle. I love the Beast. I love that Gaston is, you know, that he's an interesting villain that makes sense, and he's really not that much of a villain. He's just kind of a jerk that just goes off the deep end. And, yeah, I would say it's one of Disney's finest. Hmm. Now. I do have to say that nostalgia may be tainting my view, but I don't care. Hmm. Wow, all right. 
Well, I, uh, I'm going to say that just before we get into okay, any of the nitty gritty. I would. Not, I did not let nostalgia taint my view. This was also Ooh. one of the ones I had on VHS. I did not see it in theaters though. Um, I remember liking it as a kid, um, but I mostly just thought Beast was cool and Gaston was interesting, and I liked the inventor father. And I had always wished there was more of him, um, or at least his inventions. Yeah, uh, cool. Rewatching it. I was surprised at, like, how similar the pacing felt like Mermaid. Like, this movie felt a lot like Mermaid 2 in terms of, like, structural things. When the mm-hmm. songs hit, what the songs were about. Like, I was it, that genuinely surprised me, which was fine because I thought Mermaid's pacing was okay. Um, I'll be honest, uh, while I thought the movie looked good this rewatch... And I really liked the score of the song of the movie, like a lot. It might be my favorite like score for a Disney film. Um, I wasn't super impressed by it. I'll just be honest. I, I thought it was okay. It was definitely really, you know, better than Oliver and Company. But <laughs> <laughs> oh, thank goodness, at least you <laughs> give it that. I know. It just it didn't it didn't resonate as much as I thought. As much as it had when I was a kid. <laughs> this is, um, we can get into the details later, I guess. But, yeah. I mean, it's definitely worth watching. I, I, oh, just for the record before I move on. Sorry, Derek. Just, yeah. Uh, I haven't seen live action. I Assuming both of you have. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Um, we're going to try. Since I haven't seen it, we're going to try and not bring it into discussion as much. Because that could go on forever. Maybe we'll do a separate episode on comparing live action with the regular Disney at some point. But mm. That'd be interesting. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Just, we're pretending it, the live action doesn't exist when we're analyzing this, and I haven't seen it, so I have no context. So, <laughs> so for you, it doesn't exist. It really doesn't. I, I saw yeah. a trailer. There are know. some that would call you the luckiest man in the world. I would be one of them. <laughs> people liked it. We're not discussing it, so yeah. moving on. Um, yeah. James, you, you gave a qualifier that you said this was your favorite Disney film, and it was literally perfect. So yeah. I want you to defend that position by saying what in particular you like about this movie. Okay. Well, how much time do you have? I'm definitely with Derek that I think... Five minutes. <laughs> five minutes, yeah. Okay, I think the animation is fantastic. I I do think that the current version doesn't look as good as the old version. I know we were looking at some pictures earlier of comparisons, and I think some of the colors have... Uh, been adjusted for the. Yeah, that was actually really interesting how that changed over transfers. Did they change yeah. it? Did they like, have to rework it when they made it HD? Well, I know they reworked it when they did the new scene in 2002. Or, yeah, 2002, right? 2001, 2002. New scene? Uh, the scene that we don't speak of because it was cut from the movie for a reason. Yeah, the extra song. Yeah, it's the song. I don't think you watched it, Nathan. Yeah. It's the song "When We're Human Again." It's basically all the side, all the side characters singing about how what they'll do when they become human again. Now, oh, well, so specifically the inanimate objects. Singing. Yeah, so or animate objects. Yeah, so it's like it's. Is it's that more, in later releases? It's yeah. You a, can watch it, um, like in the movie. Yeah, when you when you're watching it on like the Blu-ray or Disney movies anywhere, you have the option of watching the original theatrical edition, mm. which is what you watched, um, or you can watch the special edition. And there's the extra scene in there. Yeah, Ugh. 
Yeah, fortunately, so, they learned from Lucas's mistakes and decided, hey, let's release the original version, and everyone was happier for it. Yeah. Uh, anyway, keep, so, keep saying what you like about this movie. Okay. Besides that I scene. I love obviously. the songs. I feel like every song is memorable in this one, which is not what I would say about all of the movies. <laughs> Specifically not Oliver and Company. Um, what, you don't I like? I feel like the whipping boy of the show. Yeah. <laughs> What's that? Hmm? I, I said the whip. I said the whipping boy of this show. Apparently, uh, continue. It will be forever. Um, I really like Belle. I find her super relatable. Um, we can talk about her in depth later. Yes, please. <laughs> oh, that's that's not foreboding at all. I I know what's coming. I'm just bracing myself. Um, I think that Gaston is a fantastic villain, and. I have a thing about objects that can talk. I mean, I've always had a thing for that, so... <laughs> Abject Not terror? A weird thing. That sounded weirder than I meant it. Yeah, that... Oh. I don't know, that feather duster. Oh, no, Dude, no. no. To a hot French maid, can't blame him. Is that um, it? So pretty much yeah. everything in every possible way you like. Yeah, I don't think there's very much that I don't like about it. In fact, I'm I curious. Think We're not to that yet, but can you think of one thing you don't like? I'll get back to you. Can I get back to you later in this podcast? Oh uh, yeah, we're just proving how much of a biased source you are, Derek. I, I, <laughs> um, I okay. confess my sins. I'll say what I liked because I have a lot to say about that. I, stuff I, oh, I would say stuff I didn't like, but stuff that was I felt kind of missed the mark. Imperfect. Um, yeah, um, I liked the Beast as a character. I liked his change. Um, it was sudden and kind of abrupt after a certain scene, which we'll get to that later. But I did like it. His arc made sense, like what he would become. His reactions felt realistic mm-hmm. for someone who had a bad temper and was recovering from it. Um, like I mentioned earlier, I really love the score to this movie. The opening, like music over the narration, is haunting and it's just masterfully done um i hadn't remembered that and when i rewatched it i was like wow this introduction song is just so captivating and just it looks incredible and sounds incredible um all the backdrops just look astounding um yeah it's it's not want for production values and i like all of the songs i think i think i like Gaston's song the best yeah. it's just catchy yeah um yeah. but Generally speaking, it feels a lot like I said a similar thing on Little Mermaid. Um, this is pretty immaculate Disney construction in terms of mm-hmm. production value. Like they did not skimp, and it shows. And I think that's excellent. I also like the candle, and I wish he had been voiced by John Cleese. Or no, it was Cogsworth that was supposed to be originally voiced by John Cleese, and he turned it down. But oh well. I had David Ogden Spears did a pretty decent job. Yeah, but I mean, it's John Cleese is John Cleese. John Cleese is John Cleese, yes. Yeah. So, yeah. Derek, anything in particular you want to note that you loved rewatching this? Yeah. Um, the thing that always sticks out to me is the music. Um, I'm going to throw in my two cents that the score is amazing. Like, just, it, it's perfect, I'd say. The, but at the same time, 
It is the second best score to any Disney movie. And you'll find out what the best one is when we get to it. But it is, yeah, the opening's fantastic. And just, it, it's, fa- it's, yeah, I was going to go into more details, but I don't think we have time for that. I could talk about it forever. Uh, this, Do you have a favorite song? Honestly, I have to agree with you. It is the opening. Just the, just. Well, I meant like singing song. Oh, singing. Yeah. Um, yeah, the songs themselves, I, every single one of them is great. Uh, I'm going to have to agree. Guess the guest on song is the best of them all. It sticks out. It's also, I think has the cleverest lyrics. It really does. And it's the Prince Ali of this movie. Yeah. It's the, it's the fun song in the middle. Um, but it's like, you know, I mean, it's also the villain song, but it's like, it's kind of, which is kind of interesting that you compare it to Prince Ali because you think of the villain song from Little Mermaid, it's Poor Unfortunate Souls, and it's very clear Ursula is evil. But with this one, it feels more like a parody of the of the hero song in that it's all about how great he is, but ultimately all those reasons that he's great are what make him a bad guy because they warp his personality to the point where he expects to get everything great, everything that he wants because he's the kind of guy that's grown up in a town in a town where everyone sings about how awesome he is. But yeah, well said. That's I was actually going to say that because it, it it serves as a plot point to the character, mm-hmm. whereas a lot of times songs are just look how evil I am. And this one, Gaston's arrogance is such a key part of who he is and how he relates to other characters in the story mm-hmm. that the song makes perfect sense and having it be done with the other villagers just solidifies kind of his position mm-hmm. in a way that I think most villain songs don't. I mean, as much as I love Radigan's villain song, it doesn't really tell us anything we don't already know. Yeah. Whereas Gaston's definitely sets his position over the other people and how they view him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It sets up, it sets up his personality. It explains his downfall. Like everything you need to know about why he, does what he does and becomes what he becomes is in that song. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, also, I, I think the beast is, I love the beast. He's so much fun. He's just, he's got a cool design. He's like, yeah, he is just really awesome. I like Belle a lot. Um, out of all of the Disney heroines, she is one that I relate to just because I kind of, you know, I like books and I have, and I've experienced the same Vandalust that she's experiencing in the beginning of the movie and seems to get over by the end, but we'll get into that. She didn't go very far to experience it, but yeah. <laughs> no, she really didn't. All she needed was a big house and everything was fine. <laughs> a house big enough that Vandalust is satisfied going from the living room to the kitchen. Yeah, that's kind of weird that what she really wanted was like exploration and discovery, but she got money because she was destined to be a princess and that fulfilled that need. It's almost like it doesn't line up very well. Yeah. Anyway, I keep going. Yeah. It's and it's called setup and payoff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I like um, Maurice, probably my, one of my least favorite characters just because he doesn't really do much besides drive the plot. Yeah. He just kind of exists as a plot device to get the men in the movie to interact with Belle. Exactly. Yeah. And so it's, yeah, I, ha, and LeFou, he is, he's a fun comic relief. He's definitely one of the more memorable ones. I honestly, there are no bad characters in this. Even the background characters that don't what have any personality. Chef? 
<laughs> the angry That's chef. Yeah. Angry chef stove. I yeah, actually he, like him. Yeah, he is. I'm. Yeah, he has one scene and he does well in that scene. Good character. So yeah, I am. <laughs> yeah, no, but seriously, I love. I love. I do love this movie. I know it's not a perfect movie because I know there is no such thing as a perfect movie. The day I realized that was the day I became an adult. Oh, sad. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> but yeah, it's when he turned from a beast to a plain-looking man. <laughs> turned so- from a beast to a snobby art critic. Now that would have been a reveal. So, so I have a point to make, but in order to do it, we need to discuss Gaston. All right, for okay. me. So, uh, I have a, I have one minor issue with how Gaston is portrayed. And that issue is the movie constantly tries to put it in your head that Gaston is dumb. Yeah. When Gaston is not dumb, like Gaston is fairly intelligent and manipulative in ways that are smart. The way he uses the his asylum person to get to the father to get to Belle, that's not stupid. That's smart. Mm. Like he well, is very good at manipulating the townsfolk. He's a very social person. He doesn't come. He comes off as arrogant to me, but he doesn't come off as dumb. Yeah, he just is very self-centered. But they make the joke of like how he can't read books without pictures, and then his psychic makes a joke about how he shouldn't think at one point. Mm. And I felt like that was unearned because he doesn't come off as stupid to me. What do yeah. you guys think? It's I think that, well, I think the thing with with that is I watched a video recently that got into the different types of intelligence. You know how it's not all you know, book smarts, there's other types of intelligence. And that's he... exactly what Beck said, that that's funny. Anyway, keep going. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and he, and with Gaston, it's like, he's obviously very intelligent in that he's very social, he's very manipulative, mm-hmm. he knows people, he's intelligent in with people. He's also very intelligent as far as physical aspects goes. He's a hunter. We see that he somehow manages to shoot a goose out of the air with a blunderbuss that had a single shot in it, even though that's not how blunderbusses worked. He shoots three blunderbuss shots into the beer stein during his song, which is also a feat of nature, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> which, yeah, that g- methinks Disney doesn't understand how ancient weapons work. But anyway, well, not Derek, that. no one cares how ancient weapons <laughs> I work. I care. That's such ancient. <laughs> it's just old. It's ancient, ancient by the reckoning like, of oh. the millennials, where everything pre- when we were born as ancient. Uh, before the iPhone, so it's ancient. Yeah. Sure. But to be fair, I did misspeak. I meant to say old, not ancient. But anyway, okay. yeah, he is, but yeah, Gaston. It's like they make an, a character that is intelligent in other ways, but then also poke fun at the fact that he can't read and he's not one for spending a lot of time thinking, although that does kind of still not work because he clearly thinks enough to think of a really cunning plan to how to manipulate bell hunters have to be smart anyway yeah. sorry go james i i thought that was more of a joke that line i don't know i didn't really take that at, at face value i thought the whole point of gaston you know snubbing the book was just to contrast him with bell and like him being the quintessential townsperson they're not into reading they have other interests she's just an outcast like I didn't, I never thought yeah. of Gaston as being dumb. I just thought of him as not interested in books. Like, yeah. I don't know. It's yeah. I was going to say, oh, you know, he's. It's just showing that him saying, you know, a woman shouldn't read. But does he actually say that? 
I don't think he does. Yes, he does. does he, he says something about it's not right when a woman reads. She starts getting ideas. Oh, yes. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So maybe maybe the whole town's thing is not to deviate as in think. Yeah. Mm. Well, I don't I mean, know. I do like that she had a plan of setting up an entire wedding and just walking in. Bell would just be like, well, I guess we're getting married. <laughs> Yeah, that uh, wedding scene's fantastic. Yeah, that was, uh, yeah. I mean, he's not—he's not dumb, but that was stupid of him. He should have maybe reconsidered. <laughs> All right, so so he's a complex character. Yeah. Can we say the same for Bell? Okay, you know something I want to point out just as we're starting this with Bell because I know where we're going. Maybe, maybe I don't. Um, what struck me as interesting this round as an adult is that she's kind of a hypocrite because she is this outcast that everyone has kind of shunned because she's different. And as soon as she meets the beast, she kind of shuns him for being different too. Yeah. Right. Well, two points to that one. It's very clear in the opening that she is not engaging with the people. Well, okay. She does. Yes. But the people eh, in of. the, but cause like she tries to talk about the baker, but she's talking about something she cares about, not something he cares about. So she tries, but she's not good at it. But at the same time, that opening scene shows that every, yes, the village people think she's odd, but it also shows that these are not bad people. These are just people. And in fact, some of them are good people. Well, and, and the problem I have with that is that I feel like they're just telling us that they think she's odd and mm-hmm. it doesn't really look that way to me besides Gaston saying a woman shouldn't read. But like the bookkeeper doesn't seem to care. Yeah. And like like they don't open he's the only one that says it's weird that she reads. I guess one person might say it in a song. Well the the baker is kinda like Well he's But that's nice. Yeah. But it never really beyond that song it never really has any weight. Like it doesn't it doesn't feel like this is really that well established beyond the superficial like we're told it in a song and that's the end of it. She doesn't come off as... She's not, like, antisocial or weird at all. She seems completely normal. I don't think they had time. Well, yeah. Well, they may have had time, but they had so much other stuff going on. That was just how they had to get the plot moving. I guess she did talk to a sheep. (laughs) Establishing earlier that she makes connections with animals. Oh, gosh. For my entire life, I've wanted to murder that sheep when it eats the page. I'm like, how dare you? Not the page. Well, we're still discussing whether or not Bell actually has any character in this movie. Right, yeah. Uh, I did have a second point. So, to your point about she treats the beast the way the townspeople treat her, or the way she feels the townspeople treat her, to be fair, he is a giant, bad-tempered monster when she first meets him, who doesn't treat her very well. Clearly. Yeah. I'm not saying his treatment was appropriate. I'm just saying. she. Yeah, I mean, yeah, she does react in the same way, but I don't know. Personally, I'd probably have reacted the same way when a giant were-beast monster thing decides to, you know. I, I guess my ultimate point is she's the main character of this story, mm. and I don't feel like she goes through any cha- any, like, internal change over the course of the movie. She just finds someone who, allegedly, we don't actually see very much of this, is like in line with her and is also male, even though he's a monster, and so it works out. But like she doesn't develop. She doesn't have any internal problems. She doesn't feel like being an outcast mm. is a problem. 
Like, mm. and then she finds someone who accepts her for who she is. Because that's not played up. Her main problem in the song mm. she sings about is she wants to go somewhere on a journey, and then she just goes and moves into a bigger house. My point is, like, that it was very clearly set up, like, what she wants, and then she kind of gets a bit of an adventure, but, like, her character doesn't evolve because of the adventure. She's, she's the same person at the beginning of the movie as she is at the end of the movie. Mm. Yeah. I think I'm going to say that the song, for me, because now I'm, like, thinking about how she's singing that song... She does say, you know, I want to get out there. But then her whole end of the song is just like, for once it might be grand to have someone understand, right? So so maybe that is what she's craving even more than running away, mm. is just someone who understands her. You're just like sp- spitting out a wish, and then you're like, well... And the reality is there's a wish under that, and she's finally getting to the point that like... Yeah. She yeah, really I- just wants somebody to understand her more so than running away. But does Beast really do that? Do we ever see a moment where they are just, like, quietly reading together or, like, discussing stuff, um, anything? Like, is, it never happens. Well, there is yeah, a scene. They, there is a scene during the one of the, the you know, the Something There um, song yeah, where they are in, the yeah, in front of the fireplace. And so they are reading. So it's like, I mean, yeah, we kind of have to assume that stuff happened during the montage of them get growing closer that we don't see mm-hmm. because animation is expensive and they can't make a two three hour movie sure but based on the establishment of this character do you think she would find her romantic connection through beast through a ballroom dance or through discussing a book discussing a book right but that's not how they did it that was that was buried under everything else so like to me the emote the romantic payoff in this movie made no sense because i don't Mm -hmm. feel like they have any chemistry at all Mm. like she, she immediately pulls a 180 after he after she makes a bad decision by running away and breaking her promise, and then Beast goes out to save her, and so she kind of sees that he's not as big of a douchebag when she tries to like help him feel better, mm-hmm. and then immediate next scene is a complete 180. Like mm-hmm. all of a sudden they're connecting, and like he's not, he suddenly his all of his anger problems are gone, and like it's like okay, we set this character up that this was going to be like a a slog, but it didn't feel like any work was done, and so I didn't mm-hmm. feel like they had any intimate relationship. And that ultimately was because I felt Belle's character didn't change. Like, I thought they would find some sort of middle ground, and so the, just the, mm-hmm. whole, the whole relationship just felt flat for me. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I'm glad they got together. They're cute. They are probably good for each other, considering he has a library that's bigger than her entire house. <laughs> that's true. Yeah. But she was just so completely uninteresting as a developing character that I just couldn't connect. Yeah, it's, well, going back to kind of her song about, you know, wanting to travel, honestly, the the way I kind of look at that is less that she wants to travel and more that she has a feeling that she doesn't feel, she, she feels incomplete, you know, she's uneasy, she doesn't feel like she is in the place she's meant to be, and that expresses itself as a desire to travel, but like, kind of like what James said, Maybe that's not actually what she wants. It's yeah, just the way she knows how to communicate it. But is a big house what she wants? Like apparently, she but seemed pretty. She seemed pretty put off by any type of a man. Like to be fair, her major interaction was freaking Gaston. Yeah. But and they're not compatible, right? I, I don't think it's the house. I think it's her relationship with him mm. that, yeah. that is the thing. And I, I mean, and to, and to just, be fair, I like. Because I I still can see it as, you know, what, like a five-year-old when I first saw it? 
to me, it's like they're the perfect couple for each other. Nothing can change that. Uh, But yeah, I mean, I can see where you're coming from. On a positive perspective, I do feel like the Beast had good character development where you saw through his anger early on that he did have a soft side. Like that this was this was a lot of anger that he had for the unfair thing that was done to him, but deep down he he had already changed enough that Bell could bring that out in him. Like mm-hmm. I felt like he was better developed than she was. Like she he there were subtle things in his character early on that made sense that he would transition to not be a huge jerk. It just felt abrupt. And I didn't understand how Bell brought that out in him versus any other girl. Hmm. That was so I can be massacred for this, but does Belle's character need to be anything more? Yes, because she's the protagonist. If she were a side character, then no. If this were if this story focused around the Beast and she just showed up, I think mm-hmm. it would be okay. But it's not. It well, is from her perspective. That's true. When I'm like, well, but it starts with the Beast. Sort of. And the, the sad part to me is, like, it feels really close. Like, it feels like they just need a little more. And I bet if you watch that stupid Christmas movie that they made that was a spinoff that apparently people like, maybe that would fix all my problems. It's not good. <laughs> Don't watch it. Well, but that, that to me is, like, the time frame where I feel the movie's lacking, right? That the the transition is not there. Well, and now that considering how well that movie's terrible, but it does build up their relationship quite a bit so yeah it does feel like when they did those direct to direct to video movies i do think that the idea of having it be set in the time period between you know when they were their relationship was growing was a smart idea and a couple movies like that wouldn't have been a terrible idea because then we could have that supplemental material it just there are a couple movies there are two yeah 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 we don't speak of the third though that third one is Abominable. <laughs> isn't that just like, isn't it just like a set of vignettes, basically? Yes. We'll watch it on season three, I'm sure. No! <laughs> <laughs> um, Alright, well that, that was kind of like my major gripe, and why I think I don't like this movie as much as you guys might. Because to me it did That's feel fair. a lot like Little Mermaid did, where it felt really close to being really good, and then the main character screwed it up. Like, yeah, it's well. The thing with the thing with the story is that it has it's focused on its main plot. Get the beast back to back to human, and everything is in service mm-hmm. of that plot. What it needed, honestly, was a motivation or thing for Belle to do that would tie into the plot, but at the same time be her character arc, like something that it's her character arc. It's hers alone. Mm-hmm. But it ties into the movie in a way that, and I guess you could sort of say her learning to love him is that, but we. But that's a don't. process. We don't see it. Yeah. And it doesn't. Well, but it's, it's her her relationship with her dad is the thing that's supposed to be tied in, though. Don't you think? Mm. Like, well, it's because she cares about her dad more than she cares about herself. She's which was weirdly, to... which felt weirdly out of character too, because I didn't get before she was willing to trade for him that she felt that way about her father. Really? Well, she defended him to Gaston, pretty. Well, yeah, but anyone would do that. I, I defend my father to Gaston. I don't know if I'd switch places in a beast castle with him. <laughs> no, comment. Nathan's dad. Do not listen to this podcast. <laughs> what I said on what I said on what I said on G Chat still stands. Where she could have just left, and then she knows a really good hunter. And just been like, hey, Gaston, honey, honey, lumpkins, 
if you love me, go murder this beast and free my dad. And then he would, and she'd be like, psych, you don't get to marry me after all. Hmm. That totally would have worked. <laughs> Not oh, sure dear. how that would have turned out for her after Belle. the fact. Not so smart now, are you, Belle? Hmm. That's what I thought. Yeah. You should have written how it should have ended, Nathan. Oh, Did I, they ever do a how? I don't think they've done a how it should have ended for Beauty and the Beast. Yes, I just watched it. You did? Yeah. Oh, it's pretty good because it's like he turns into a person. He's like, yeah, but I still have all these stab wounds. <laughs> <laughs> I'm dying. Yeah, <laughs> pretty good. And Chapman said nothing about getting stabbed in the ribs. Ooh. <laughs> oh, yeah. Anyway. Now I remember it. Okay. Any other? Uh, we should probably move to the next one. Any yeah. other? Final thoughts, James. Do I even need to ask what you're going to give it score wise? Three stars. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Five. Five. All right. Any other thoughts on that besides you think it's perfect? I mean, you're, all your things are valid, but I still love it. I mean, that's fine. I'm not saying that that your feelings are invalid. That's totally my feelings. No, I I just really love it. I think it's really good. And well, yeah. Anyway, go on. No, Derek. Yeah, I am going to say, yeah, I'm going to give this one five stars as well. It's one of those movies where I can, I can hear flaws about the movie, and sometimes I can even identify them myself. But they neither affect my enjoyment of the movie, nor does the fact that I don't necessarily have a good answer or response to those flaws doesn't affect my enjoyment of the movie either so call that cognitive dissonance yeah um, so it's how you problem. enjoy things <laughs> i enjoyed aladdin we're about to talk about that yeah. um despite all my being i probably would also give it like four and a half five stars uh it's still like the most you know. begrudgingly given five stars on this podcast okay i have one last thing i'm gonna say that um it really bothers me that the characters especially i think this is just a problem with the hd version like when you, it's in HD. The fact that they filled all the characters with MS Paint and the backgrounds are clearly hand painted, like really stuck out to me in this movie in particular. Mm. I don't know why. It just really bothered me. <laughs> it didn't even bother me as much as Rescuers, probably because the backgrounds were probably done in computers too, so it just looked yeah. samey. It it really the backgrounds in this are so gorgeous, and then the characters to me looked cheap in the HD version. I don't know. Mm. Whatever. I'll say. Five stars because if I don't, I'm giving it lower than Great Mouse Detective. And <laughs> someone will for crucify me. Yeah. I don't know. I think if I had to pick between this or Great Mouse Detective on a desert island, I would probably pick Great Mouse Detective, honestly. But you know, whatever. All right. Yeah, I actually had one other thing that I wanted to mention before we moved on. Um, okay. It's kind of in regards to Bell's character, but was there? Was there? I mean, I like Bell, but. Was there really anything about her that you can definitively say would have made Gaston want to go over her rather than the three girl the three girls that were obviously crazy for him? That's just forbidden fruit. That's completely yeah. why. Yeah, fair yeah. enough. I guess. Well, also, I she's guess. A brunette. Well, <laughs> gentlemen the blondes prefer blondes. Have, the blondes should have dyed their hair brown <laughs> and gone to the bookstore. There's okay. You, funny thing is, I found out that there was a comic about it where that's literally what happened one of them bait dresses up as bell and tries to trick gaston that way that's genius why okay i don't even want to know just <laughs> all right i don't know why you found it but that is genius yeah why? i'm not even gonna answer any of this 
Mm. Oh, I did like that the very beginning song. The shopkeeper looks down the sexy girl's rack. Oh, that was pretty funny. <laughs> yeah, also, I, the maid, the maid sporting a lot of cleavage at the end. So that was entertaining. Yeah, that was one thing that later on in life, when I rewatched this movie, I was like, "Huh, there's a lot of our um, friends." Yeah, there's a lot of um, shall we say, fan service in this Disney movie. J- James is gonna punch you through the internet now. <laughs> no, I'm just thinking. You just. You can't call boobs fan service, Derek. Cleavage, we're calling fan service. It's the anyway. It's the definition the, that anime fans use. On I the know. definitive list of definitiveness, is this above or below Great Mouse Detective? Above, Derek. It's above all. Above. That's not going to happen. I know. I would put it actually tied with Great Mouse Detective, but law of averages. Wait, if it's law of averages, if I put below Oliver and Company, then it will go in the middle. Stop Just it. kidding. <laughs> All right, get on top. All right. We'll go over the whole list at the end of the episode. So the next uh, Disney movie we're going to talk about came out the year after, 1992. Aladdin. It's a good one. Robin Williams is in it. Uh, the plot to Aladdin, if you case you somehow missed this, is Aladdin is a street urchin in Agrabah, which is an Arabian city. And Jasmine is the sultan's daughter who has to get married within three days. Because reasons, and the law, the law, the law. Which I mean, to be fair, they're fairly religious people. I imagine that law would carry some weight. Yeah. Jasmine sneaks out, meets Aladdin. They bond over similar fates <clears throat> because they're <clears throat> well-developed protagonists. Um, <laughs> uh, they. Oh wait, I forgot about Jafar. This movie's like complicated the summary. <laughs> um, so anyway, he gets a lamp from, and Jafar's a, this is a vizier and he's a dick. And the genie named Robin Williams says, have wishes. And so he pretends to be a prince and then realizes that it's more important to be himself and get over his misinterpretation of his birth socioeconomic class status. And uh, Jafar becomes a genie because he's allowed smart. And uh, the genie gets free because Aladdin learns his life lesson as a character arc. And uh, the movie ends. And he gets the girl because the Sultan's like, F laws. And he rewrites the Constitution. Because it's America. To be fair, I would rewrite it too. Well, I mean, it's kind of stupid to have in that giant list of laws that mm. they yeah. find. This movie in my entire life that I saw in the theaters. Um, really? Yeah. I loved this movie as a kid. This was my favorite Disney movie. I want to be Aladdin. You are to... Aladdin. Oh, wait, no, you're Yago. Never mind. Oh, I'm definitely not Aladdin. Um, everybody wanted to be Aladdin because he was cool. <laughs> and mm. uh, how old was I? I was seven. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, you're six. I had, you hadn't turned seven yet, had you? Don't judge me. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know when in 1999 I was in theater. No, this supposed to be short. Oh, okay, I rewatched it. Um, I actually started rewatching on Blu-ray a couple months ago, and I was like, eh, I'm not so sure I still love this movie. And then I watched it today, and I still love this movie uh, a lot. It is very funny. Funnier than I remembered. Um, oh. And all the characters have surprisingly competent arcs, which is weird for a Disney movie. <laughs> and uh, uh, the genie's really funny. The pop culture references, I'm going too Dutch detail. But yeah, I still yeah. liked it. James, um, I watched this one a bunch. We never owned it, but we'd watch it like at other people's houses. 
And I remember one time, like my, my greatest thing as a kid, we convinced our parents to let us stay at our friend's house and we watched all three in a row because, you know, they had the sequels. That oh, was amazing. Yeah. Back in the day, now I'm like, I don't want to go back to the sequels. Third one's okay. Is it? Yeah. Well, no, I'm scared. Well, I give it two stars instead of none, which was what I'd give for Turn of Jafar. <laughs> yeah. So better than Oliver and Company. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, better than all. Actually, I don't know. Yeah, well, okay. To be fair, you cared about the characters in that third Aladdin movie. So, yeah. Anyway, sorry. Keep going, James. Anyway, um, it's been a really long time. I was actually kind of scared to watch this one because I knew how much you liked it, and I was like, oh, I don't know. I don't know if I even like this movie. I haven't seen it so long. I was very pleasantly surprised. It was really good. Now Prince Ali, fabulously, Alibaba is going to be stuck in all of our heads until we're dead. Derek, <laughs> it's, ma- it's causing it's causing a strangely echo with the Ducktales theme song right now. <laughs> what? How? The Ducktales theme is still never left. <laughs> you do not hum the Ducktales song on air ever. Just yeah. talk about this movie. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So. Aladdin is one of those ones that I watched a lot as a kid. Um, I don't think we ever went to the theater because we were, I don't remember going to the theater very often when I was very young. So, but yeah, it, this, uh, Beauty and the Beast, The Little Mermaid was kind of among a group of movies that we rewatched all the time. Um, I don't know that I would have considered it my favorite at the times. I don't, it's not my favorite, but thinking back on it and actually trying to analyze it, I have to say, it's one of those movies where maybe I like another movie better, but I can admit to where this specific movie is a superior movie, just with the with the plot and the characters. I'm, you know, like you said, they all had arcs. The moment you said that, I was like, oh, wow, you're, you're right. It juggled multiple characters, all with their own arcs. It's... Yeah, it was actually kind of impressive. And yeah, uh, the genie, love him. Aladdin is a really fun protagonist. Jasmine is a fun, um, well, yeah, she's also a protagonist. Uh, duagonist, shall we say? They are the duagonists. <laughs> and but, Iago's in it. Yeah. He has a monkey and a bird, 10 out of 10. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, what, and, you know, I just. And, a mon- and the monkey's an elephant. All right, mm-hmm. so I keep going. Yeah. And I like, and I mean, you know, it's your typical Disney romance where. They fall in love immediately, and that's unrealistic, but in this case, they fall in love immediately because they connect, because Wait, in their... You're going too deep. I sorry. want to talk about this. Okay, this we'll is my analysis. All right, all right. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm just... Yeah, I just want to say they connect on a spiritual level, but they're coming at it from two different ends, and that's kind of like the best part of the movie, I think. And yeah, it's... Chemistry. Yeah. It's like another movie we watched this week. Oh, <laughs> It's this, yeah, this movie is pretty darn close to being a perfect Disney movie, but, you know, because I let personal feelings and preferences affect me, it is, you know, it's not my favorite, but it's, it's high up there. I'm curious what your favorite is now. Don't tell me though, wait till we get to it. Didn't we do that in like the first episode? I don't know. We did, but I can't remember. I don't re-listen to these things. Just things we like. Yeah. So I... I think it's been nice watching all these so close together um, because I just feel like it's getting me, giving me more insight into 
I guess, the animation process in general. But so this one's also done by Musker and Clements, and they're the ones that did Great Mouse Detective and Little Mermaid. Mm. Yep. And while I feel like Little Mermaid kind of was a miss for them, this one feels like they're right back on point. Mm. Um, Especially that comment of, what's that? So they also did Hercules, weirdly enough. Anyway, keep going. Uh, And Treasure Planet. Um, But like every character having their arc was really quite well done in Great Mouse Detective. I think it was even done better here. Yeah. Hmm. So I have a spiel that's probably just going to be me rambling about how freaking good Aladdin's character arc is in this movie. Do it. Like, it might be the best character arc in a Disney movie that I can think of off the top of my head because it is complete. And and it has parallels with the female protagonist, which most of them don't have. Mm-hmm. That's it. Maybe I don't want to actually analyze it because everyone will turn the podcast off. <laughs> okay, so, yeah, I, so, okay, so there's a connection between him and Jasmine on a level that is just so well done. Like, from the beginning, when he tells her to start playing along with his facade and she just flawlessly executes, like, you know that they're going to work out. And, like, she is also... A lot of people give her flack as a Disney princess, but she's, like, the most strong-willed of, like, any of them I can think of. Yeah. Like, she stands up to her father. She stands up to Jafar when they're captured by the crazy yeah. sword people. She stands up to them. Like, she does not... F around. She has clearly told like dozens of of suitors to just go screw themselves. Like she's not, she's very competent, and like mm-hmm. it's executed really well in that scene where Aladdin jumps between the two buildings, and he like puts his this board down so she can cross, and she just jumps across too. Mm-hmm. And it's like okay, these people, these have a they have a very similar connection. Like these people will work well together. Yeah. Have the interesting parallel of Aladdin feels like his end goal would be to live in the palace and be wealthy, and Jasmine's end goal feels like she should be free from those constraints, and so they both kind of have what the other one wants. Mm. And over the course of the film, they realize that what the other one wants is not necessarily the best for them, and instead, mm. meeting in the middle is mm-hmm. is what the arc goes. Like Aladdin's big arc about lying about who he is because he's ashamed of his of his upbringing, I suppose. Yeah, is really interesting and really well done, and it's hinted at very often throughout the entire movie in subtle ways that I didn't catch the first time I watched the movie. Mm. And it has a really good payoff where he has the choice at the end to still fix that what he perceives his biggest character flaw and become a prince again, and he doesn't because he realizes that being selfless and helping the genie is more important. To be a good person is more important than being wealthy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and what I also kind of like is that they don't have him he doesn't he actually realizes that he made a mistake really early on because you have the moment where he says genie i can't let you free then the genie retreats and he's and aladdin is like immediately basically realizes you know i have to tell jasmine the truth and it makes sense for him to realize that there when he really steps back and thinks to himself okay what's really going on but then the events of the plot things keep happening that keep him from being able to take the next necessary step so you have to wait until the end of the uh store of the plot to be able to really get the resolution 
Right, and the final choice is giving up all hope he had of being someone else by freeing the genie. Like that was the mm-hmm. like telling Jasmine wouldn't would have been a progress, but really releasing the genie was that final step in him admitting that yeah. he was okay with what who he was and what his upbringing was, and it wasn't something to be ashamed of. Yeah, what I also kind of like is that especially with their early meeting. I mean, their character motivations are made very clear very early on, very well. It's that you know Aladdin they. They both, they both want freedom. Aladdin wants money so he can be free because he knows that being poor, you aren't free. Jasmine, on the other hand, wants freedom from money because she knows it doesn't really bring you freedom. So they're both seeking freedom. It's constrained by it. Yeah, exactly. So it's status. Yeah, it's like, well, she's, I guess she's not really constrained by the mon- by money itself. She's constrained by the things that come with money. Well, that's kind of what he wants, right? Is he wants status and with that comes wealth in this scenario. Yeah, and it's also yeah. worth pointing out that the moment where he realizes, wait a minute, something's this isn't right, is when after they've chased Jafar away and the Sultan sa- tells Aladdin that, yes, you'll marry my daughter and you'll become Sultan. And he has this moment of, wait, 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 what? No, wait, no, no, I have not. I am not prepared for this at all. I just wanted to marry the girl I love. Now you're throwing in yeah. political ruler- leadership. Well, that's where he has the cognitive dissonance because mm-hmm. he he realizes that he's not actually he's still ashamed of his past and it's mm-hmm. still t- pulling him down to the point because he had no problem faking being a prince. Yeah. In fact, it's important to note that he wished that he was a prince, not wished that he was wealthy. Yeah. Um, but like. That yes, that is a key point in his character where he still hasn't gotten over his the fact that he is a street rat, and I think he still kind of gets he does try to was going like you said going to make motions to resolve it with Jasmine, but I think he doesn't fully accept it until he loses everything and realizes that it's also you know a story about lying obviously right yeah, and mm-hmm. that lying is not the right way to do it, but that also ties into his character lying to himself about how he feels about himself and then accepting that he is what he is and he doesn't need to be ashamed of that. Yeah. I think that's why Jafar is such a good villain in this is because his, his like his beliefs and wants are like the exact same as Aladdin almost. Yeah, they are because he's like, you know, not happy with just being vizier, even though it clearly is a much better position. And he could puppet rule the kingdom because he can hypnotize the Sultan anyway. Right. But that's not enough. He had to be the top two. <laughs> well, and his two wishes are political power and magical power. Like, yeah. it makes perfect sense that he wants power for power's sake. And once Aladdin gets it, he realizes that having power for power's sake is not the end all. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I also kind of think it's kind of silly where I'm like, Jafar, maybe you should have wished for magical power first, because with magical power comes political power, because who's going to stop you? Well, he's vindictive, which is probably why he wished to be yeah. sold first. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that outfit change didn't last very long. He's a great villain. Uh, I don't is. know if I like him as much as Radigan, honestly, because Radigan's mm. just so joyous. Yeah. But Jafar is sinister and, like, genuinely scary and smart. Like, yeah. very conniving. Like, I don't know. That, that That's... Yeah, I, I really enjoy Jafar. Yeah. I had forgotten that he is the old man. <laughs> and so the old man starts talking to him in the prison office, and I was like, oh, it's Jafar! And I had that same moment that, like, you know, I'd had years ago as a kid. And I was like, oh, this is great! Like, 
Yeah. Such a good villain. Mm-hmm. We used, my, my brothers and I used to say his golden rule to each other whenever we were like told to do the actual golden rule and not be jerks. <laughs> uh-huh. Whereas the gold makes the rules, which again is a very, you know, an insight into Jafar's character. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and also, you know, thinking about just kind of in general, because you mentioned earlier that Aladdin and Jasmine have really good chemistry. And I was kind of thinking to myself, well, you know, there's a reason why they made two direct-to-video sequels and an entire TV show based around those two. Yep. Right. Like, nothing mm-hmm. Nothing else has had that many sequels in cartoons mm-hmm. except Lion King. Well, yeah, there's... And Little Mermaid, sort of. I mean, it had at least... It had a couple... It had about three... Uh, two sequel movies. And yeah. it did have a um, a TV series... However, but the TV show wasn't as long. Yeah, and the TV show was also set before the events of the movie. And one of the movies was set before. Yeah, so it's kind of like, what does that say about her chemistry with Eric? If there they, was none. Yeah, they don't bother. You know, they don't bother actually making sequels with him. That is one of the things I have to say about Aladdin. Is when it ended. I, I know that the sequels are just probably not going to make me very happy, or even the cartoon. But I was like, this show does make me want to know what they're all going to be up to yeah. for the rest of their life. Yeah, like It really does. Like, Oh, I wonder what they're going to be up to, because I know they're going to have adventures, and Aladdin and Jasmine are going to be working together. I don't know if they did in the sequels or movies or anything, but... They did, more or less. Oh, that's yeah. good. That makes me feel happy. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think that's something that I think is worth mentioning, is like... This film's sense of adventure is just so good. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just so well-paced. It felt like watching Indiana Jones again, especially having not seen it in years. Like, I was like, this movie's engaging. The world is interesting. It feels like they could just walk out in the desert and find another adventure, and this is just one of, like, many. Like, it's just it's just a well-executed – it's just fast. I can see why I loved it as a kid. It just mm-hmm. entices the imagination. Like, it's mm-hmm. so well done. And – I had a quick comment on Jasmine. Like, there's one thing I want to complain about her. And it's Are we going they, into criticism? If, if we're fine with that. Does anyone no. have anything? Have we, uh, I, have we said enough good about Jasmine? We haven't talked at all about Robin Williams. <laughs> oh, good point. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, we could dip into criticism quickly to make your point, but it, I kind of feel like there's more good to be said. Wow. Yeah. My two okay, I only have one criticism on Jasmine. I just kind of want to analyze her character. Like, I really, she starts out really strong, and apparently, this is the one critique I have: is that apparently at the end of the the original script of the movie, when she's in the hourglass, she figures out a way to use the crown Jafar gave her to break herself out. And like ah. removing removing that, I think really hurt her character yeah. because she she has been completely competent. The entire movie. And one of my favorite parts of the movie is when Jafar is Sultan and he says, now you have to bow to me. And the dad's about to bow. And she's like, eh, no, we're never going to bow to you. And I'm like, yeah, that's that's awesome. Mm-hmm. Like, even though he has all this power, she still doesn't care. Like, it, it shows her character, right? Her, she's. Mm-hmm. And I if, like that idea of her getting herself out. But at the same time, I'm like, hey, if I was in an hourglass, I'd well, and I am Jasmine, clearly, from that <laughs> yeah, you test. Are, actually, yeah. Um, Tell us what you do. <laughs> but, like, the panic could have made her not think for that one moment. I mean, because ah. she's never been in something that, like, her life has been clearly not perfect for her. 
but she has been protected from things like that for her mm-hmm. entire life. Well, I feel so like... something like that is like that's that's a pretty big deal. I can see why she'd be too anxious to you know remember to get the crown off her head i think it's more of i felt like even if she just cracked it from her side you know what i mean like i feel like that her Mm, being the damsel in distress at the end didn't fit her character yeah like that that's kind of the point i'm trying to make and it doesn't necessarily mean she'd have to escape or whatever but her suddenly turning into kind of a helpless character in a film where she has been not that ever was A bit jarring. Yeah, to but, be but anxiety does that to you. Yeah. Well, also to I mean, be I am fair, defending Jasmine because mm-hmm. she's yeah, my but favorite. On the other side of the coin, like Aladdin rose to the occasion. Like, why didn't she? Yeah, it's well, kind of like living in the streets his whole life. Well, has when has he ever faced a giant snake? It's kind of like they're both a little out of the element. Although he is, I will say, he is more used to physically defending himself because you have to imagine he's had to fight yeah. people off in the past. I mean, he was chased by the guards, and while he ran away, you have to imagine at some point he was like, you know, had to throw down, shall we say. Mm-hmm. <laughs> throw down. Yeah. I like it. But yeah, it's... Honestly, I kind of think a combination of the two, maybe Aladdin tries to crack the glass with his sword, but the glass is too thick and it doesn't do anything. And so then he fights the snake, she uses a crown to manage his to like chip it or crack it and then that weakens it enough for him to break it open something like that would have it would have allowed them to work together and given him the hero moment they obviously wanted to give him yeah it was just a thought yeah. it just felt out of a little out of place to me like mm-hmm. i mean you could argue she was anxiety and blah blah, blah. that's like then don't put her in a situation that she can't overcome because her not overcoming a situation doesn't fit her character yeah. put her in something else like it's, yeah. it doesn't like it, yeah, that that was really and even I don't know the thing I like about her is even like when she's on the carpet, like even when she's being seduced by him, she still like doesn't give him an edge. Like she never she never she's always got her guard up and she's always intelligent about how yeah. she analyzes. Yeah. Like I, I she's really interesting character. Yeah, and I will say I feel like even if their roles had been reversed and Aladdin was in the hourglass and he couldn't do anything and she broke it out, I wouldn't be bothered, so yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I, I, I just felt a little strange. Yeah. But yeah. I mean, that's that, that's a pretty scary thing. Like that's like suffocating is one of my like biggest fears. So to me, it's like oh, you are Jasmine. Things, <laughs> things, probably. Now yeah. that I'm thinking about it, like yeah, it's, it works. Although probably I will do. say, for Jasmine's sake, in the in the climax of the movie, it's not like she's a helpless damsel throughout the entire climax. I mean, is that one second? Well, yeah, well, it's like she's, second. I mean, yeah. she's actively distracting Jafar and doing everything she can. She tries, I think when she, when he notices Aladdin when going for the lamp, Jasmine tries to stop him, gets knocked mm-hmm. away. And so it gets, she gets the lamp for a minute. Yeah. 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 So it's like, yeah, so she is actively involved, which is more than I can say for certain other characters in the climax of their movie. Or the Sultan. Yeah. Oh, the Sultan. He's a mess. Yeah. But I like him as a character. I think he's a good character. Yeah. But yeah, he's he's a good character. Yeah, (laughs) he is. But yeah, talking about Jasmine, one thing that I noticed this time round that I really loved was because, you know, it's fun where she, at the end of A Whole New World, she knows it's Aladdin. She's positive of it. She just needs to get proof. But I love something I didn't notice until this time around was that I found the moment where she figures it out. Like, the moment where they're flying through, he grabs her an apple, and he does the thing with his arm, 
that he did the first time they met where he bounces yeah. the apple at her and she gets this look where you're just like she totally just figured it out she knows yeah she it's knows. like she was i mean you know she was a little suspicious with when he said do you trust me and then the moment she sees with the apple she's like oh this is totally him and so it's like because i always used to think oh yeah she's smart she figured it out but i always saw it as no she's figured it out she figured it out at some point i don't know when was when i usually mm-hmm. what i usually saw it but i love being able to look back at the movie and seeing the exact steps of how she came to figure it out and they're not really there's no attention is called to them it's just you know it's there and if you pay attention you notice it yeah, the movie does that a lot with its uh-huh. character stuff, mm-hmm. which is why I really love it. Yeah. I was going to say, you want to move to Robin Williams? or Yeah, about... let's do it. Well, okay. I did want to say oh. one thing is that... <laughs> Sorry. Just one last thing. I do think that Jasmine may be one of the best female characters in, in Disney, just overall. I think definitely for the 90s, she yeah. wins. She, she beats In terms her... of being competent. Yeah, she beats her two main competitors easily. I don't know who her second main competitor is. Yeah, I don't it's remember. Belle and Ariel. Pocahontas? Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah, no, Belle Mulan? and Ariel. Was Mulan wasn't, was 2000s, wasn't it? 1998. Oh. Really? Well, that would be an interesting throwdown. Hmm. Or, hey, we'll I don't know, oh, hang on, hang on, Meg, though. <laughs> Meg's <laughs> oh, really good. So Meg's really good. Okay, anyway, sorry. <laughs> Robin Williams, he's dead, unfortunately. But we're going to talk about him anyway. Hmm. Uh, Kate, so, can I just say most of the pop culture references this time, I didn't know who who they were. <laughs> I'm like, um, yeah, that movie has dated itself, unfortunately. Of some, of I those. don't feel like it was a problem because I it it now it doesn't play like a bunch of people I recognize. It plays like Jeannie's just kind of insane, which yeah. I think works for me. And the jokes are still funny, even when the jokes are hilarious. Yeah. But Arnold Schwarzenegger was the only one I recognized. Did you guys recognize anybody else? Um, wasn't there? Jeez, oh, I swear there was like an Al Pacino in there, maybe. Um, yeah, I think there's an Al Pacino. The I'm one, trying to remember. Yeah, the one where he's talking about, you know, you gotta be a sharpshooter. Wasn't that Al Pacino? There's a Groucho Marx and De Niro one. Yeah. Uh, I I literally did not recognize anybody because I just watched it cold. Didn't look up any trivia or anything. Oh yeah, didn't he? Jeez. Uh, nope, nothing. He, he was imitating. Uh, he was imitating someone when he was in his like zombie form early on, where he's like saying, "I don't bring people back from the dead." That scene is so great. I love that part. <laughs> yeah, I can't remember. Or like the one, like the one that I never could get was the one where he is talking about uh, there are a couple provisos, a few quid pro quos, and I'm like, who is that? I don't know. I, yeah. You have to look that up not on air. Yeah. <laughs> I still think his best joke is either the fact that they clearly made him a bee so he can make bee puns. Yeah. Or me and my brothers always thought the part where he's playing the rug at chess and oh, says, yeah. I can't believe it, I'm losing to a rug. It's just like the funniest thing oh, ever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I, it I, was still funny. I don't <laughs> know why that was still funny, but oh my gosh. Yeah, I <sighs> actually realized just as we were talking about it that I actually do know who he was Im- that imitating there. That was Rodney Dangerfield. Oh. Yeah, because mm. it's, like it's like, you know, the way his eyes go, that's how cartoon versions of him are always drawn, and that kind of way of talking is like, I can't believe it, I'm losing to a rug. Oh, yeah, that's true. Oh. Yeah, totally Rodney Dangerfield. I felt like 
without knowing any of the pop culture references, it just feels like Genie's slightly unhinged, which I think works for his character, considering he's been in the lamp for how long by yeah. himself. He... And so he's created all of these personas, even if you don't recognize them. Yeah. Uh, people that he's trying to become or be or something yeah we're seeing genie from aladdin's point of view when we don't get the pop culture references <laughs> he doesn't get any of them yeah he's I, like oh, i don't either <laughs> yeah, he's like i must have hit my head harder than i thought <laughs> he does turn a boon to a car man i don't know like so i i have mixed feelings about aladdin or not aladdin about genie because like 80 percent of the humor worked really well but there was a point where I'm like, okay, the pop culture reference can slow down, and the ad lib stuff is still can be funny. Like the whole B scene didn't have any uh, pop culture pop, references, yeah. but yeah. it was still really funny. Yeah. But wasn't that Robin Williams style? Like Robin Williams were, is a big imitator. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they were recording him. He was just imitating a ton of stuff, and so the animators picked their favorites. And yeah. Yeah. Like, well, I I did read a thing that they it, they couldn't nominate for best adaptive screenplay award because he ad libbed so much of the lines that it was not close enough to the actual <laughs> what actually came out oh, like sc- it, apparently something like 90 percent of the his lines in that entire movie are ad-libbed oh the screenwriter so. must have been furious about that one no they actually loved it they actually wrote the script for him oh okay also oh, another fun fact patrick stewart was going to be jafar hmm that's the end of that fun fact that was yeah the fun fact could be patrick stewart got invited to like every disney movie since like the dawn of time, and he couldn't do it because of Star Trek, and the one he ended up being in was Chicken Little. So he's in Chicken Little. Yes, he is. That just disappoints me in so many ways. Yeah, I know. That I is... mean, Chicken Little in general disappoints me in so many ways, but we'll get to that later. <laughs> we will. But yeah, it's actually kind of fun if you look at the uh, at the making of or the you know the extended materials on the Blu-ray. Uh, they have a lot of those alternate takes that Robin Williams did. Oh, yeah, they're on YouTube, too. They're definitely worth watching. Yeah, highly recommended. Um, I think <laughs> there's, there's one that was too hot for, for film, apparently. Oh. There's a great joke where he's, like, fighting Jafar, and he says, Don't worry, Aladdin, turn the other cheek. or And then turn both cheeks and run out of there. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Yeah, I think the thing with the good. genie, uh, the reason why he succeeds when similar pop culture spouting characters have not succeeded is that... It comes back into character arcs. The genie has a desire. The genie is working towards that desire. The genie attains that desire. And the genie is emotionally invested in his desire. You know he's he is a slave. He wants to be free. You can tell from Robin Williams' performances, performance of those scenes where they discuss his desire to be free. You can tell he wants to be free. He He feels it. You believe it. And so, ultimately, you're emotionally invested in his character in ways that characters like, say, Mushu, Mushu. that you just don't, yeah, you're just not as invested. And it's, yeah, or I guess with Mushu, it's like he has a desire, but it is a selfish desire, as opposed to, well, I don't know, he wants to better himself, but with Genie, the desire for freedom, which, again ties into aladdin and jasmine again they both want freedom that's the other thing they wanted yeah from their situations he wants freedom from his situation the best character arcs tie into the desire for freedom well all three of them do that's like the parallelism between the the Uh three protagonists i will say that is actually a negative for me is this was the start of the every disney movie needs a comedic sidekick because robin williams did such a good job in this one 
which brings down otherwise good Disney movies, <clears throat> Hunchback. <clears throat> but yeah. well, and it's also Iago and Abu. Now we need to have cute animals in every single one. That's true. Iago is really, I really like Iago. He's a good I comic. Too. He's a good he's comic really foil great. to Jafar. Yeah, but th- this is the beginning of the end. When that <laughs> now it's like a mandate. We need funny yeah. animals. It's the beginning. It's, too bad. it's like they didn't understand that. Like Robin Williams and is it Gilbert Godfrey that did? Yeah, Gilbert Godfrey. Like, like they they're they're on such a high level of talent of improv. Like you can't just grab anybody and make it work, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Hades being an exception, but. Still, pull that to the moose and brother bear. I don't. I'm. Let me tell you something. I found a list of like all the worst the Disney movies ranked. Brother Bear is not near the top. Curiously enough, Aladdin and uh, oh my gosh, Aladdin and the other one we watched, Beauty and the Beast, are tied on IMDb at really? eight. So really, yeah. they're at eight. Oh. Yeah, it's pretty good. Yeah. Well. We're going to take a break. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> All right. It, it would be amiss of me to just gush over this movie and not say things I didn't like because there, there are negatives. Mostly the CG, I think, looks pretty bad. Mm. Um, it did look kind of dated this time. I was a Yeah, the, car- the carpet ride looks pretty bad, parts of it. Yeah. And you can oh. tell the CG from the drawn, which always bothers me. Yeah. So well, you're going to be did a better job with that. Yeah, honestly, yeah. you want <laughs> – yeah, you want bad CG that you can never unsee? Wait till we get to Hunchback. I, oh boy. Yep. <laughs> I, oh boy. Yeah. Um. Okay. I'll just I'll prep you for that. I think the Cave of Wonders looks okay. Yeah. Like the the, the tiger head. Yeah. It's, I, yeah. It looked otherworldly, which I thought was appropriate. But like the lava and like the ride that felt like a weird Disneyland ride. Eh. Why do they not make that into a ride? That would be really fun. Because no one cares about Aladdin but me. Okay, well, <laughs> you can make it just for me. If the Imagineers care anything about Nathan on this Quest for the Best podcast that you're listening to, please make an Aladdin ride. I'll have another fun fact. You want to hear it? Yeah. I remember this one. Okay, so you know the beginning when the t- salesman is selling people garbage? Yeah. And that's where he gets into the story. I also love the fact that this whole story is just made up so he can try and sell you a piece of trash like <laughs> um, <laughs> Uh, the, uh, apparently the way they recorded it is they put Robin Williams in a room and they put a bunch of things under cloth so he couldn't see it and said, okay, just, just present these like you're selling them and then improv, but you're not going to know what they are till you reveal them. And apparently like 70% of it was so dirty they couldn't like put it in the movie. <laughs> oh, no. so, so they had to cut a bunch of it out and like trim it to get to the ones that are now in the film but yeah, apparently he just anybody find some whole thing. stuff that he can sell that doesn't bring up these problems man i wish they still had that because that sounds really funny <laughs> but you know when i watched that this time i was like i kind of feel like it's the genie but i'm not sure if they were going for that being the at genie. the beginning yeah yeah I, was like, I always i always thought that too that was like a theory i was like oh well it's, i don't know if it's a theory or i don't know where i've heard that but i was like, seen it the genie trying to like sell off his lamb because yeah you know I, i've seen it floating ar- yeah i've seen it floating around that that is the that that is the genie it's definitely a theory that other people have that, thought of that scene is one of the weirdest parts to me yeah especially like, because of- i I mean, it's a framing device for the movie, right? Yeah. Especially because it doesn't come back at the end. Like, you never... Well, that... Yeah. Yeah, I think... It's like Cody. Cody didn't come back for the animals at the end. (laughs) I mean, 
the movie could have probably started with Jafar and the Dunes, right? Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Well, they could have sung the song and had Jafar on the dunes. That well, was... they could have sung the song and just panned over the city and ended with Jafar on the dunes, right? Like, yeah. yeah. It's well, I'm. The song's great to... though. I do like the song. Yeah, it's great. It's a good song. All songs I'm are great. Trying to remember, does the third movie end with the salesman from the beginning of this? Movie? Well, that's why right. I think it might actually. I can't remember specifically, Ugh, but I'm have pretty certain it. it might, which is actually really neat that they would bookend it like that because they didn't end it in the first one like that. So they were probably like, hey, last one we're going to do. Let's bookend Wasn't it with the that third thing. one, the bookend to the TV show as I, well. Like It was the diff, uh, definite end to the whole yeah, thing. It's it, when they get married. Yeah. So yeah, so yes. It was, okay. well, it was a higher quality than the second movie. But the but, second movie was just the t- first, like, five episodes yeah, tied together. So which it's not... It's, it sucked. It wasn't a movie. It was just a TV show. Yeah, it was definitely made to be a movie. The third one was, uh-huh. and I could see it. I mean, honestly, yes, it is the bookend to the TV show because it is the end of their story. So, okay, you know, you t- even if it wasn't made with that purpose, that's still what it does. You know, it's can like- we watch the uh, the animated TV show on YouTube? Does somebody have it up all uploaded? <laughs> <laughs> I have Die. no idea, and I don't know what. They're actually wanted. not that bad. They're better than the Emperor's New Group TV show. Oh yeah, that, oh, that was the TV show, didn't it? That makes yeah. me so sad. I hate that show. Um, favorite song? We didn't discuss that. Ooh, hmm. Good it's a really hard toss-up. But sorry, go ahead. Prince Ali, clearly. Well, that's that one gets stuck in my head every time. That one has some really clever lyrics too. Like and looking them up. Fun. I still have not been able to to understand all the lyrics i keep getting close to understanding them just go read them that's yeah, what i, I did because was, it's was driving me crazy i subtitles. may end up doing that subtitles yeah but they like, like the word menagerie a lot in this movie i discovered yeah. but anyway yeah there was actually one there was actually one part that i did was able to make out where they were singing as they were entering the palace and they're talking about how he's got slaves and servants and such and i'm like whoa yeah, it does, it does mention he has slaves. Yeah, and I'm like, okay, I know that's accurate to the original. They say they like working for him. <laughs> yeah, you mean, yeah. Yeah, I, but still, I'm like, huh. Turns out Aladdin was the one slave over, owner Disney ever had. Not sure how I feel about that. That's fine. It's for the time. Yeah, even if they were <sighs> magical constructs and probably never alive to begin with. That song is so good, though. Oh, it my gosh. I just think the visuals with it are just so well done. Yeah. It's, it's, Never had a friend like me is really good too. Yeah, it is. I I think I like it less because the pop culture stuff feels weird mm-hmm. to me. Ali feels like in context with the story better because I which never had a friend like me is my that, choice. Sorry, what? Which pop culture stuff are you referring to in Never Had a Friend Like Me? The whole the well, it's more like the anachronisms, right? The, oh, the, okay, okay. I mean, there's definitely a, turning into anybody. But yeah, there's like, like a really. phone ringing or something in the middle of it. Yeah, he serves he serves him chicken like a waiter and like a French waiter and like all this yeah. stuff. It's and it's got like, yeah. It. <laughs> yeah, apparently the French in the Middle Ages developed modern cuisine. Who knew? Yeah. Well, maybe genies like Merlin, where he can you know. Probably. I mean, I'd have I'd say talk. I'd have to say that it's that's def- that's definitely how he works because otherwise he yes. makes no sense. Yeah, he definitely sees, like, multiple timelines or whatever. 
it's <laughs> oh no yeah. this is turning into sci-fi but yeah it's like going back to what was our favorite song i honestly can't choose because every time i'm like okay it's this but then i'm like no but what about a whole new world and then i'm thinking okay but all right fine friend like me oh what about prince ali uh uh yeah song in the movie what it's isn't it there's no songs after that there's only four songs right yeah no five there's the intro there's aladdin song Mm -hmm. there's genie song Mm -hmm. there's prince ali there's ali whole new world well, and that's it. Yeah, and then yeah. Five. yeah, and it's bookended with the reprise of a whole new world. Yeah. So yeah, this uh, that is actually amazing. There's only five songs. They're all just really good. Yeah, I would say that Aladdin's song is probably the weakest, just because it's not as big as the others. It's a good character moment, but it's, well, it's high energy. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's not as yeah, it's not as bombastic as the other songs. It's it's not as memorable, I don't think. Also, what the crap is. is up with Disney? And when they go down clothesline, there's always bras. Women in that era did not wear bras. <laughs> but that's the joke. Yeah. It's in every single Disney movie. It is. It <laughs> is. Yeah. They have a, bras. They have a surprising amount of underwear in Disney movies. Wilbur yeah. wore a bra and rescues down under. Hmm. Oh, I yeah. One thing that I just well, wanted to—at least to... that was uh, timeline correct. <laughs> well, yeah, but yeah. One thing that I wanted to point out that having watched this one and Beauty and the Beast immediately in a row, basically during this in the same day, had and noticing the similarities was so weird because like in Beauty and the Beast you had the three women that were crazy about Gaston, and in Aladdin you had the three women that show up in Aladdin in um aladdin's song at the beginning and anthony zully and three dancing with him in the genie song yeah and suddenly i'm like hey wait a minute but oh maybe yeah. they were the same girls oh yeah it's the same three just in every disney movie mm. yeah but, why not? but yeah oh also i just realized that when i said that aladdin's song was um was the least bombastic i was referring to the bit that he sings as um you know as he is after his encounter with uh the prince where he's like you know just talking about the how deprive of it yeah the deprive of it yeah. yes i forgot that there was a big musical number with him you beginning. mean his entire character introduction yes that part <laughs> yeah <laughs> oh yeah he was like running or something and yeah. there maybe was bread involved yeah, also that like part. people die in this movie it's awesome yeah, that so. thief gets eaten by a sand monster. Jafar technically kills Abu and the carpet. Yeah, there's he also. Oh yeah, and also that one guy that's lying on the bed of nails that the guard falls on. You're like, oh, he definitely. Dead. Oh, that guy's dead. Oh, we didn't mention how I hate how the furniture is just blatantly murder people and be in the beast, but we're past that now. So, oh well. <laughs> you had <laughs> your moment. Yeah, I it, did. Yeah, it's. Yeah, I'm a superficial critique compared to the Bell's character, so I didn't mm. mention it. Anyway, yeah. Aladdin. But yeah, Aladdin. Also, the guy that Apu, um, no, not Apu, <laughs> Abu, pulls the sword wow. out of his throat, like the sword <laughs> swallower. <laughs> there are so great little details in this movie. <laughs> it's just ridiculous. Yeah. And one thing that I think is really neat is is that um, 
you know, they don't hide the fat, the religion of these characters. Cause I know the Sultan mentions Allah several times, which is like something or Salam a lot. Yeah. yeah. And so it's mm-hmm. like, I mean, people give Disney a lot of crap for Disneyfying stuff, but you know, they stay true to the fact that no, these are characters in the Middle East. They threatened to cut uh, Jasmine's hand off. Like, is, yeah, in a, a medieval Middle Eastern custom. That's great. Like, it's 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 according to theme. Yeah, so. I think that despite all of everyone's protests, especially recently about Disney, yeah. they did have a lot of uh, women and what do they call now? People of color, and uh, yeah, whatever, and at least that it was there so it opened up people's minds somewhat there is an honest critique though that aladdin and jasmine look like americans and all the other characters look like arab stereotype they do Mm. and there i mean like there are problems but at least they have those characters which is better than many studios could even say yeah baby steps i don't know i'll probably get massacred for this on twitter but whatever one tweets you, you're fine. <laughs> <laughs> it's like tweet from at Nathan. Oh, great, thanks, Nathan. <laughs> oh yeah, no. You see, what's gonna happen is that we're gonna get several. We're gonna get several episodes in, and it's gonna be years later, and then finally someone decides to watch from the beginning, and they get to this point, and then they start yelling at you on Twitter, and you're like, "Wait, what did I say? Like, who are you? Yeah, <laughs> what's taking a tangent?" Yes. Sorry. What's more important is the fun fact that the Sultan's voice was the same as the koala from the rescuers down under. Oh, oh my yeah. goodness, it was. Yeah. I love that guy. Wow, full these facts. You're full of fun facts tonight. I know. It's like I have the IMDb page open or something. <laughs> Don't tell them. <laughs> <laughs> no, I actually looked this stuff up before. I do my research before I come on this podcast. That's why you're the host. I read. I read all of Roger Ebert's reviews because even if I don't agree with them, he's like the best writer. Oh. So. Yeah. He liked Beauty and the Beast more, so you know he's objectively wrong. But <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking of people being objectively wrong, uh, what are our scores for this? Uh, I think it's very clear that I'm going to give it five stars. Yeah, and it's my favorite Disney movie we've watched so far, and I actually like it more now than I did before because how I can analyze the writing of these characters and how just masterfully done their arcs are compared to pretty much any other Disney movie or regular movie for that matter. So props, Aladdin. You're great. You're subtle, and you do a good job at it. Yeah, it's. I'm also gonna give it a five, and hmm, yeah, I just it it was gonna get a five anyway because this is a good movie. But yeah, I've just, and this is kind of why I love doing podcasts like this is because the discussion made me think even deeper about the movie and made me realize things about the movie that made it even better in the end. Right. James? I am definitely going to agree with you, Nathan, that I like it even better as an adult. I think there's just things you don't pick up on as a kid that were really, really good as an adult. And this is the first Disney movie that I've watched where I went, man, I kind of want to see the sequels because I want to spend more time with characters. <laughs> don't you know? do it, it's a that's, trap! <laughs> that's something, actually. That is something because... I never want to watch a Beauty and the Beast sequel. Are you telling me you didn't want to watch Ariel Little Mermaid 2? Ariel's daughter goes through the same plot line with a different Ursula? Why why would I want to watch that? I don't know. Why did any... Well, I mean, okay, we know why people want to watch that. (laughs) Because they had younger siblings and cousins, that's why. 
Ah, it's getting a glowing all fives. So apparently this week was a good week. It was a good week. I thought it was one of the best weeks we've ever had. It's definitely going to be better than next week. Because um, next week has one of the best Disney movies and one of the most boringest Disney movies. Um, What's next week? Here's where we can fight. Uh, I think this goes to the top of the list. I think it's just the best told story in the Disney movie so far. Okay, I put it under Beauty and the Beast, but we'll let Derek, who's also part you, decide. <laughs> oh, Lord. Um, okay, so here's the thing. Think Here's like a, a screenwriter, Derek. Yeah. Don't think with your heart. Okay. <laughs> Don't think. Let me justify what I'm about to do, please. <laughs> okay. Derek, you can't think with your heart, even though that's what we've been taught in all the Disney movies we've watched so far. <laughs> yeah. It's okay. Here's the thing. Beauty and the Beast has stuck in my mind as one of my favorite and for the longest time favorite Disney movies of all time, especially as a kid. And so. Honestly, going into this, I was thinking it's going to be at the top and it's going to stay at the top for a long time. Um, however, as I foreshadowed in this podcast, I have had a slight change of heart that I brought yes. upon myself upon revisiting yes. this, this this movie. <laughs> That's right, you did. I'm okay. I am going to have to kill the emotional side of me. And say that objectively Aladdin is a better written movie with better characters that I like more. That was the worst foreshadow I've ever heard in my life. Yes! <laughs> I don't give a crap, that was awesome. Yeah, I'm going to I'm going to put it at the top, but it is infinitesimally close. Like, I really, really love Beauty and the Beast, but the fact that there's actually I was able to dig deeper into Aladdin's story and characters makes me enjoy it a lot more. So it's going to go to the top. I respectfully disagree, and I'm going to start my own podcast now. Thanks, guys. This is gonna no, be- <laughs> we can call it the best for the wrongest opinions. James James is going to march his way back to where we both live, leave, leading a mob singing, Kill the Critics. <laughs> I mean, I, d- I won't say it hasn't crossed my mind, but, you know, I'm a little more Jasmine than the Beast. So. Yeah, I honestly, I was, at the beginning of the podcast, I was thinking to myself, the joke's going to be, this is going to end with me and Jay- and um, James marching on Nathan's house singing Kill the Beast. Turns out I was wrong. We can all amicably discuss our differences of opinion in that Beauty and the Beast is overrated, but... <laughs> I wouldn't go that far. It's overrated. It's not. That doesn't mean it's bad. But I don't know. I like the Great Mouse Detective more. So I, maybe I still know what I'm talking about. Anyway, the Great Mouse Detective um, is fantastic. Yeah. And I think it's nice on this podcast that we can disagree and still, you know, work it out. I think it's good. But in the end, I still win because Aladdin is currently number one on the list. <laughs> I mean, it it, I won't be sending you harassing anonymous hate mail, Nathan, so don't <laughs> worry. I'm curious to rewatch what we're watching next week and seeing if it usurps anything. Because mm. the first movie we're watching, I really liked as a kid. And I think it's a fantastic Disney movie. All right. So we'll see. Yep. All right, Are you I mean, going to tell them what we're going to watch next week? Well, first I'm going to tell you what the list currently stands at. Ah, so yes. oh, first yeah. we have um, Aladdin, as where it belongs. <laughs> we have Beauty and the Beast, also where it belongs. <laughs> um, third, we have The Great Moose Detective. 
Fourth, we have Rescuers Down Under, so the two mouse movies are together. Seems appropriate. Don't break them up, guys. Fifth, we have The Little Mermaid, which I'm... Yeah. And then I feel real bad that the next movie after Little Mermaid's Oliver and Company because there's a giant dip in quality there, but... <laughs> we made the list. We made our bed, now we sleep on it. Oliver so. and Company will be joined by others later, right? I mean, We're watching Pokemon next week so um <laughs> oh boy. spoilers okay yeah next week's lion king and pocahontas mm. uh, i'm as mentioned i may have biases because i called one of them the most boringest disney movie ever and it's the one that rhymes with mocha flantis so <laughs> yeah keep an eye out for that mm. uh but we'll see yeah. it's funny that you talk about just watching history because next week's gonna be a little bit of that too um yeah, that's that's gonna do it for this week's episode of the Quest for the Best colon Disney edition. I'm gonna keep saying colon <laughs> instead of just saying Disney edition because I feel like it. Uh, we have been your hosts, James, Derek. Thank you for coming. Do you want to tell them our Twitter? No. Okay. Yes, I mean, <laughs> I'm at the useless god. If you tweet me, I will get it once a month because that's how often I check Twitter. Uh, what are you fools? Derek? I am at Burning Lizard, and if you tweet me, I may check more often because I have the Twitter app installed on my phone. If you tweet me, also tweet at Derek so he can tell me that I got a tweet. <laughs> Jay- yeah, and I'm at Binge Watch Fan, and same at Derek. He checks it more than I do. <laughs> we have to actually start checking it, or else no one's gonna send this. Well, no one's gonna send us tweets anyway. But you know. We may be a little off, far off from that at the moment. As always, we will post the uh, quizzes we took, links to them on the mm-hmm. description of the podcast. And we might make an IMDb link of the big list or something starting off so y'all can go, you know, see that if you want or yeah. not, because I say it every week. <laughs> so, you know, whatever. Things are starting to get interesting now. There's six things on it. But anyway, that's been um, Thank you all for listening, and be sure to tune in next time when we whitewash history together with Disney. See you then. Uh, <laughs> cutting that cutting that okay so it should, should be our opening line <laughs> oh, uh, yeah i should do that opening and ending music by at ben sound podcast cover art by nathan rackley at draw on twitter